0: Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection. And uh, if you've been joining us uh, this week, you know that we're dealing with Psalm 34. So let's turn in our Bibles there, and we will look at verses 11 through 22. Here's what it says. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off from remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Now yesterday we talked about uh, kind of setting up an introduction and reminding ourselves of the first half of the psalm. What I'd like us to do this morning is I'd like us to dig into this first principle that that is taught in the psalm, at least in the second portion of the psalm. And that's found in verses 11 through 16. I'm gonna read to you what it says in 11 and 12. Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good. There's really two motivations that that, uh, David is talking about in these verses that are showing us that we need to be taught to fear the Lord. And David is motivated by, first of all, his experience. In verse 11 he says, "'Come, children, hearken to me, "'I will teach you the fear of the Lord.'" You say, well, why did did David say this? It's because he understands from his own experience in life that a fear of God is something that you have to be taught. And you need to be taught by people who have lived before you and have learned from life that in fact, if you don't walk in the fear of the Lord, there are tremendous consequences that flow from that. And on the other side, there are tremendous blessings that flow out of walking in the fear of the Lord. So, David was motivated to teach people to fear the Lord because of his experience. But there's a second aspect to this, and we find that in verse 12. It says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? David was not just compelled by his own experience, but he was expelled, or he was compelled by a genuine love for these people. He says, if you desire life, if you want to love many days and you want to see good, then you need to fear the Lord. And when he uses the term life in this context, he's, he's speaking about it in the sense of a life that is rich in the same way. Um, That when it talks about the blessed man uh, in Psalm 1 or the blessed, uh, the person who is blessed when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, that word blessing has the idea of a richness of life. Or in the Proverbs where it talks about choosing life, it's talking about a richness of life. And there are really two practical components to this concept of a richness of life. The first is this. Many blessings flow directly to those who walk in the fear of the Lord. So when a person walks in the fear of the Lord, there are blessings that are a direct result of that for them personally. And he puts it like this in verse 12. He desires life. He loves many days that he may see good. He's longing to have a life that is full of richness and meaning and not a material prosperity, but a richness of purpose in his life, blessings that are consistent with the natural consequence of making good choices. That's what we're talking about. There's a lot of scripture that that drives people to this principle. Proverbs 1 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If a person wants to have wisdom, if they want to have knowledge, it starts with fearing the Lord. Proverbs 2 4, if you seek her as Silver and search for her as hid treasure. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Because out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. Again, we see that concept of those who seek the Lord, they discover the fear of God, which is at the root of wisdom and understanding, and the richness that flows from a life lived according to wisdom. Proverbs three one again. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them upon thy neck, write them on the tablet of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now he talks about mercy and truth not forsaking us. He's talking about a person who walks in the fear of the Lord because he walks in mercy, thinking about this this simple principle he's going to answer to God. He's he's walking Uh, according to truth because he recognizes that the world has been not just governed but created and with a purposefully intent designed by god so we see that a prosperous life a rich life a life that is full of meaning and value is a life that is built on the fear of the lord but there's a second component to this many blessings not only flow to those who walk in the fear of the lord but they flow directly through those who fear the Lord to other people. And we see this in 13 and 14. He says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. Now what he's getting at in verses 13 and 14 are that when a person fears the Lord, it shapes the way that they live in a way that is for the good of the people around them. So he talks about restraining words, keeping our tongue from evil and guile. Think about how many people's lives are ruined because of people not restraining their language or people using their words in very destructive and hurtful and evil ways. He talks about a restraint of action, departing from evil or investing in life, a life that is productive in its end. He says, doing good. So it's not just that I don't speak evil and it's not just that I depart from evil, but it's that positively I do what is good for the people around me. And then he mentions, lastly, working to maintain relationships because we fear God, we value those whom he's created in his image, and we we value relationships between us. And so he says they seek and they pursue peace. So when we talk about the simple fact of being taught the fear of the Lord, we've seen that David is compelled by his experience. He's compelled by a love for the people. He understands the practical component that that blessings flow directly to those who walk in the fear of the Lord. And he understands another practical component that that people who fear the Lord become channels through which God blesses people. But there's also a theological component to this as well. We We see this in verses 15 and 16. He says that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. So we talk about the concept of the fear of the Lord. There's not just a horizontal relationship, but there's a vertical relationship. And technically speaking, the vertical relationship is what drives home good horizontal relationships and he talks about a couple of things he talks about a love that God has he talks about um, the the love that God has for people verse uh, number 15 he says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous he is watching them he loves them tenderly he cuts off from remembrance them uh excuse me his ears are open to the cries of the righteous the idea is that he is tenderly uh, attentive to those who are his children like a person who watches a little child as they're, as they're sleeping at night and you, you look at them tenderly and affectionately and you, you, you want to protect them and defend them. This is the way that God looks towards his children. He tenderly cares for them. He's attentive to them because he loves them. But then there's another side to this. If God loves, there's also something that he hates. God hates what is evil. And so he is a righteous judge who will judge evil And he will defend his children whom he loves against those who would harm them, which means he will have wrath toward evil. And so we see that as well in these verses. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He cuts off from remembrance those from the earth. So we've seen that there's the positive side, the love of God. There's the negative side, the wrath of God. And that leads us to, well, then what exactly is the fear of the Lord? Well, it's a true knowledge of God that grips our hearts and leads us to a deeper sense of awe, unworthiness, admiration, and gratitude. And there's a lot of scripture that talks about this, and I just want to share a couple of them as we close out our study this morning. First Chronicles 29, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Do you see the, the majestic a view of God that is high and exalted, and then a humbling of self. He says, riches and honor come from thee, Thou reignest over all, and thine hand is power and might, and thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. We praise thee and thank thy glorious name. And who are we, and who are these people that we should be able to offer so willingly of this sort? So you see this high view of God and this low view of self. You see that God uh, is viewed with awe and as great, and we are viewed uh, viewing ourselves as unworthy and we are grateful because we recognize we do not deserve this kindness or Isaiah 6 he says woe is me I'm undone I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips Mine eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts or in Daniel 4 he says all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand. Or say unto him, what doest thou? You say, well, Joel, what's the takeaway from these verses? Well, the takeaway is that you and I need to be taught to fear the Lord. We need to recognize that our view of God is not naturally what it should be. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, it says that there is no fear of God before the eyes of the unrighteous we need to be taught to fear the lord we need to see him as he is we need to glory in him and magnify him and exalt his name and the way that that happens is that we listen to those who are compelled by experience to say come and hearken to me i will teach you the fear of the lord we're compelled by their experience we're compelled by their love for us And we're reminded that there are tremendous blessings that flow directly to those who walk with this awe and this respect and this reverence and this gratitude towards God. And they become channels through which God works in the lives of other people. And there's this theological component. We see the immense love God has for his people and we see his wrath against evil. And so I ask you this morning, do you walk in the fear of the Lord? Are you a person who has learned to fear God and walks in the fear of the Lord and has this deep sense of appreciation and gratitude and reverence toward your creator? I want to leave you with that this morning and ask you to really give some time to thinking about whether or not, in fact, this really is the sense of your worldview. And Lord willing, tomorrow we'll continue with this series in Psalm 34. Have a blessed morning. Bye now.